Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Take all your sermon notes. Let's get right into the Word today. I got a lot to speak on today. It's part two of complaining habits or the habit of complaining. Last week we talked about complaining is a habit that we have turned into a lifestyle. And for some of us, it fits as well. We talked about that last week, and I shared the story about my purple suit and how it fit me well. And a lot of times we complain and we realize that, man, it fits us well, and we don't even realize that we're doing it because we're so comfortable in the area of complaining. Another one is this. Complaining, this was all over Facebook, and a lot of people responded to this. Complaining is like saying, God, I love you. God, I love you, but we put the but on there. How many of you ever had that happen? Hey, honey. I love you, but, and then you wait for the but, right? But what? Come on, let me hear it. But, God, I love you, but I don't trust you. Trusting, saying, God, I love you to a certain extent, but I'm not going to go the extra mile with you. I'm not going to trust you. You're not going to lead me, God. I'm just going to put you at at arm's length, and I'm going to go only that far. But I also like this, and we're going to start off from here today. A habit, a habit can be broken by the same way it started. How do you start a habit of complaining? You start a habit of complaining by just start complaining. One complaint after another, after another, after another. They say that you form a habit after seven or ten times. And after you do something seven or ten times, it becomes a habit or a lifestyle in your life. The same way you started to complain is the same way that you start or break that habit. And how do you do that? You start working on thinking differently. That, God, I'm going to break this habit of complaining by changing my stinking thinking. I'm going to change my thinking, my ways of thinking, my thought process, my my verbiage. Another one is this, by speaking differently. God, I'm going to say things. Your life prophesy, you prophesy your life by what you say. Your ears hear what you say, whether good or bad. And what you say goes in your ear, into your heart. And what comes out of your heart is going to be the overflow of your life. And so you got to be careful about what you are speaking. So you break a habit by what you're thinking, by what you're speaking, and acting different, doing something different, doing something out of the norm. How many have ever heard this word before? He or she is in a rut. And when you're in a rut, that means you're stuck. And in order to get out of that rut, you have to change what you're doing differently. And it's the same thing in life. I have to do something different. I have to act differently. I have to get out of this rut of complaining. And so I have to do something different to get out of that rut. And if you're in a rut, you know what happens when you're in a rut? You become discontent. You become boring in your life. You can become angry and upset at things around you because you're stuck. And that's what a rut does. So you have to change your action, change your lifestyle, change your way of thinking and your speaking. But in James chapter 2, it talks about this, working on changing your thinking, your speaking, and your action. In James chapter 2, verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So in other words, here's what it means. I don't know about you, but I, I love my pookie woman. I, I see all these young couples, and, man, you got your arm around your woman, man, check it out. Amen. And you're all happy. I got my baby, right? And you got my wife. I got my husband. Look at He's a good-looking man, right? But you know what? You love them. And because of your love, 
you do things for them. And because you love them, hey, I'm going to show them, Jamie, that I love them. And out of my love, I'm not going to do it because I'm, it's obligated to me to do that. Or I'm expected to be a good husband or a good wife. But I'm going to do it for him or her because I love them. And so it's not ob obligation. I know that I could go to Harlan and say, Harlan, I need you to do this and do that and do this and that. And I know Harlan because he likes me and I love Harlan and we love each other. We're good friends. I know that Harlan would probably do, Bill, that which I asked him to do. But here's the thing. That might not be something that Harlan wants to do. But he'll only do it because he feels obligated for me to do it. It's because pastor said it, and he's the boss, he's the pastor, he's the cream of the crop, whatever. I feel obligated. I should just do it. And Harlan may do it ob obligation, but then down the road, guess what happens? He's going to get upset because it's not his gifting. He's not called to do it. He doesn't love to do it. And so now he's doing it out of obligation. And because he's doing it out of obligation, guess what happens? He's murmuring. He's complaining. He's mad. He stops coming to church because pastor put me up to it. So if I'm out of sight, out of mind. And what happens, he's doing it out of obligation. But faith or love, now get this, or faith or love is doing what? It's not out of obligation, but it's out of my commitment, my devotion, my walk with God that I do things for God. So you see what I'm saying? So I'm doing things. I'm God. I'm going to show my faith or my love or my commitment to you by the deeds or the things that I do, right? So then it goes on in verse 18. Watch this. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Watch this. Show me your faith without deeds. And I will show you my faith, my love, my commitment, my devotion, my willingness to sacrifice and give to you with my deeds. So in other words, what he's saying is that because, God, I love you so much, and I'm devoted and committed to you so much, I'm going to change in some things in my life, and I'm going to show you, God, how much I love you by changing the course of maybe of my life or maybe of my thinking, maybe of my lifestyle, maybe of my complaining. I'm going to change my thinking and my ways because I love you so much. And that's what happens when you fall in love with someone. You change what you used to be. You see, listen, faith is the motor that drives the deeds. It's, it's your trust, belief, and knowing that God can help. But in James, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, now watch this. This is so cool, Terry. Look at what God says. Look at how he points this out. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, talking to every one of us here today, brothers and sisters, I urge you in the view of God's mercy, God's grace, his love, his devotion, his commitment to you, in the view of God's mercy, here's what he says. He says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know what that means, as a living sacrifice? It's not like they did back in the Old Testament days. They would sacrifice a lamb or a goat for the shedding of the blood or the remission of their sins. What God's talking about is, no, he's not talking about doing that. He's talking about making a living sacrifice. You know what that is? By surrendering your heart. When you got married to your spouse, you've made the vows, the commitment that you're going to death do us part, for better, for worse. You made that commitment or that sacrifice to one another. It's the same way with God, that, God, I offer my body, my life, 
as a living sacrifice, that I surrender my all to you, my heart, because God's enthroned on your heart. So God doesn't want your lip service. He wants heart service. He wants you to surrender everything to him. So say, God, as a living sacrifice. So God, I sacrifice my heart. I give my heart. How do you do that? By asking Jesus into your heart. So let me ask you a question. Have you done that? Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Come on, let me see how raise hands. Have you asked Jesus in your heart? Look at across this congregation, you are saying, yeah. So God, I made a commitment to you. But it don't stop there. He said to be holy. Lord God, I'm turning from the world or from the sake of doing things that I used to do. And I'm trying to change and transform my life to be more like you holy, and pleasing to God. God, I want to please. I don't know about you, but I want to please God. How many want to please God? I want to just please God with all my heart. So I want to please you, God, by changing maybe my lifestyle, my thinking, my, my ways of way that I used to do things. I want to change. But it's us. this is your true, proper worship. Man, by giving your heart. And every time you give it to God, your heart, God rejoices and the angels in heaven rejoice with you because another one comes to the Lord. But after God gets your heart cleaned up, ever thought about this? Watch this, Maureen. After he gets your heart cleaned up and you made a living sacrifice to him and you surrendered all to him, guess is the next area that he comes at? Your mind. Because what goes in here goes down here. I call it the 18-inch syndrome. What you think here goes into your heart. And your heart is the container of your thoughts, your words, and all that you think. It goes into here. So the next thing that he comes at, after Chrissy asks you to surrender your heart as a living sacrifice and gets you all prepared and cleaned up, he's not done. Verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? Always complaining, murmuring. Bickering, whining, upset, always this, that, and the other. That's the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be caught up with what's going on, what's popular. Don't be caught up with what's popular and what's the norm, doing things that are comfortable and going against the norm. You don't have to do that. And that's what we do a lot of times. We go with the norm. We go with the flow. But he says, don't be caught up with the pattern of this world. But watch what he says. Look where he comes at, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do you notice what he does? He gets your container, and Michael, he cleans your heart up. He cleans your heart up, but then the second area he cleans up is your mind or your stinking thinking. Because what a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. And so what he does, he comes at your heart, cleans up your heart, gets it ready, so you know what? You can become new wineskins because you can't put old wine, a new wine in old wineskins because what? They'll break. So he cleans up your wineskin or your heart. Then he cleans up your mind so that you can take new wine and put it in new wineskin. Because what happens is if your mind is not transformed, you're going to take that stinking thinking and put it back into new wineskins. And you're going to be back in the same place again. So he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get rid of the complaining, the murmuring, the whining, the bickering. Then he says this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for you. Or his good and pleasing and perfect will. And a lot of times what happens, you are unable to hear the perfect 
will of God because you're listening to the wrong voices. And I always say this, wrong voices make wrong choices. And if you're listening to wrong voices, it's going to take away the peace. It's going to take away the hope and the strength of knowing that God's got everything under control. I don't know about you, but I, I have to be honest with you. I'm a sinner, sinner down below, pucker up and let it go. I just don't live in my car with Christian music all the time. I listen to 104.9, easy listening, right? And I like that kind of because it plays the older music, and I like the older music. I like, don't stop believing, if you don't know that journey, right? I like that kind of stuff, that Boston. It's been such a long time. I think I should be go. You don't know that neither, right? Come sail away. Come sail away. Sticks, if you don't know that neither, right? But I, I listen to that, and I, and I, but the thing is, when I drive from here down into from my cabin, and I go through the woods, Terry, and going for the Spooner, what happens is I lose reception in my radio station. You ever have that happen? And then you get so annoyed with it, right? And then you turn the channel, and you just got the same thing with the other channel. So eventually you turn it off. And then when you turn it back on, you hear little, little pieces. Well, come sail away. You start singing with it, and it goes out. And you get frustrated, so eventually you turn the radio off. It's the same way with God. What happens is, listen, God wants to transform you by the renewing of your mind. But if you have a lot of other voices that are distorting the real voice, it's going to keep you from the peace that passes all understanding. It will rob from you. It will steal from you. And all of a sudden what happens is you're going to start complaining and murmuring because you're not hearing God's voice. And you're hearing the wrong voice. God's voice says this. And he goes this, God's good and perfect and pleasing will for your life. If you have your notes, I love this. Christianity has never been about behavior modifications. If you're a mechanic, you're not a carburetor. He's not just going to turn this screw and modify you and do this. But it's about tr life transformation. That God transforms you, changes you. We sing the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Amen? That God transforms your life. I remember when I was doing my B.C. days, they would remember me from my B.C. days. But the moment I accepted Jesus, he transformed my life. And then when Cheryl and I would come around to my friends and go to their weddings and all that was happening with my friends that I used to hang out with, they would always say, Johns. They'd call me Johns. Johns, what's up with you, man? Where you, you were one of us. What changed about you? What's going on? They saw a difference in my life. Let me ask you something. Does your spouse see a difference in you? Do they see you changing in your speech, in your words, in your conduct, in your complaining? Have they seen that change? You see, they shall know you by the fruit that you bear. The Bible says in Matthew 7.20, the fruit that you bear. And if you're not bearing good fruit, the Bible says they cut off the branches and throw them in the fire. So what happens a lot of times is this. We are not bearing good fruit by what we're complaining about because if we're always complaining, we're stifling and killing the fruit within us. 
And so he says, listen, it's about behavior modification, but life transformation. God created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me, but restore. You see, there's something about restoring. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. In other words, God, transform me, change me, rearrange me. You are the potter. I am the clay. God, mold me, shape me, break me into the very image in which you want me to be. And God, even take out those things in my life that need to be taken out, even if it hurts. See, God wants to transform you. And he wants to transform you in your thinking. Because he knows that your thinking will upset your heart. So if you can't change this... You're going to mess up that. And you're going to be a car that's going to be sputtering. You're not going to have any acceleration. You're going to be backfiring because you're messing from here to there. And you're affecting the temple of God. So listen, transformation, changing your thinking, complaining, and your negative thoughts. Changing. And you know if you're a complainer, you know by people when they repel you. They see you come and they run from you. Here she comes again. Right? They see you coming down the aisle. Whoop, there she, I'm out of here. Right? You're a wet blanket instead of a party. Always complaining. Changing your thinking, complaining, and your negative thoughts to positive thoughts. And when you do that, look at what it does. Your heart softens. And your words change. You see what happens? God changed me from the inside out. Philippians chapter 4. By the way, we have 20 people right now that are not here today that are in North Carolina. So say hi to Molly and Greg Gaffney. Hey, Molly and Greg Gaffney, because they're all watching. They've taken 20 people of our church, and so they're in North Carolina. They're on the beach. Amen. Good thing I'm not there because I would have been blinded by the light. My legs are so white, they'll be blinded. Put on sunglasses. So thank you that I'm not there with them. Amen. But how to transform your complaining? This one. Philippians chapter 4. Look what he said. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Then he goes on, verse 5. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Did you get that? When you think you're in your secret place, and when you think that God doesn't see you or nobody sees you, wrong. God is always near. He sees you in your secret place. He sees you in the dark places. You know where negatives are always de uh, developed in the dark? Negatives are always developed in the dark. And you know what, God, he always sees all, hears all, and speaks. He hears all, sees all, and, and hears all. He hears you in all different areas of your life. So he says, listen. Be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Your request. Usually complaints turn into, your, 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 your problems are turned into complaints. So maybe your pressures of life, guess what? Your pressures of life turn into complaints. Man, I'm sick. Man, I'm broke. And what happens, those situations, your pressures turn into complaints. That's why he says, listen, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your sickness. 
Present your financial struggles. Present your battles to God. And what happens is when you present it to God, he turns them around. God works all things for the good in those in Christ Jesus. But if you hold on to those, your complaints or your pressures will turn into complaining. How many you know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden it turns into complaining that, man, you have this pressure in your life. You take that pressure on yourself, and you think that you're God, and you think that God can't handle it. So what you do, you try to take it on yourself, and you turn that pressure into complaining. Instead of, God, I present my request, my problem, my battle to you. Watch this. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7. He says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, notice how he's working on the heart again, or the mind, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Getting rid of the stinking thinking will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, watch how you do that. Finally, brothers and sisters, this is you. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Think about such things. i got to go on for the sake of time. Verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, everybody say this with me, put into practice. Perfect practice makes perfect. Put into practice, and then we'll look at this, and the peace of God will be with you. So you have to practice those things in which you want to change in your life. So if I want to change things in my life, I have to start practicing and putting it into action. You see, and listen, 12% of your thoughts are focused on the future. 80% of your thoughts are on the negative thoughts. Can you believe that? Negative thoughts. Rejoicing, I love this. Rejoicing is going to God, knowing that he hears you. God hears you. He speaks to you, and he responds to you. You can rejoice that when you come to God and give him your pressures, your cares, your worries, your concerns, I can rejoice knowing that God hears me, and he speaks to me, and he responds to me. So, God, I, man, I rejoice in that. I know that, God, you'll never let the righteous be forsaken or the seed begging for bread. God, you're going to speak to me and respond to me. But are you listening? And if you're listening, what voice are you listening to? You see, in verse 6 and 7, it deals with giving God your struggles. Philippians 6 and 7. Are you giving God your struggles, your pressures? So if you do, to guard means to protect your heart. To protect your heart. And your mind from negative, complaining thoughts that bring you down. Can I ask you a question? Being that I'm a you know counselor and I do a lot of counseling, and Chris, you probably you're you're a life coach, and I'm glad about this class that you're doing. That's amazing. Oh, well, there you go. I'm using her material. We must have the same thoughts, right? But check this out. You know that why is it? Can I be? I'm gonna be real honest. I'm gonna be transparent with you. When I when I counsel with people, a lot of times when I'm counseling people, guess what it's dealing with? Their inner hurts. Not a physical broken arm or whatever, but it's emotional hurts. Emotional scars and emotional pain by words that people said or rejection and things that people went through. And here's what I hear all the time. And Chris, you'll probably hear this. 
They say this to me all the time. Pastor CJ, he or her hurt me so bad that I have to guard my heart. How many of you ever said that before? That I have to guard my heart because I don't want to be hurt again. It's the same way in your spiritual walk. You are hurt emotionally and mentally by what people done to you, by what was said to you. So now you guard it in your heart. Can I ask you a question? Why don't we guard our heart spiritually? We allow the loud voices of the world to roar into our spirit man. And just as we have a physical man, we have a spiritual man. And what we do is we don't guard our heart from the negative, stinking, thinking, complaining that it kills us spiritually. And we don't guard our heart. And if you look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, look at what it said. Above all else, here's what he's saying. Solomon, the wisest man on the planet, above all else, the number one priority in your life, guard your heart. Protect it. Cherish it. Nourish it. Man, honor your heart. Just like a newborn baby, you honor that. You cherish it. You nourish it. You raise it. You change its diapers. It's the same way with your spiritual heart. That, God, I got to guard the container of my heart. I can't let the pollution of the world get into me because it's going to affect me. Guard. Yeah, amen. Guard your heart. Now watch this. For everything you do, no, turn it back. For everything you do flows from it. If your heart is damaged and is so full of complaining and negative things, guess what's going to come out of you? Negative, complaining, damaged goods. You've got to guard your heart. Now I'll go to the next thing. Watch this. Your heart is the container of your words, thoughts, and deeds. Why do you think God dealt with your heart first, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and what it, he says, what, guard your heart, make yourself a living sacrifice, because God knew that your thoughts are going into the container, the container in which holds your words, holds your life, and what you speak is you're prophesying the, your future. Why do you think he does it? Your heart. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, look what he says. He says this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his heart. So watch this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You can always tell what people are watching, reading, and listening to. Because they speak what they're watching, listening, and reading. CNN, Fox News, this, that, and the other. Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. You can always tell. And a little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough. And you have to ask, am I guarding my heart? What am I speaking? What is coming out of my mouth? My son, the other day, I showed this to the staff. My son, the other day, he lives in Arizona. And now because it's getting warm out there, even though it is warm out there, it's getting warmer out there, now the scorpions are coming out. And so he went to his storage unit, and there in the storage unit was a three-inch scorpion. 
And then he, he said, Dad, I stepped on that bad boy. And it went <laughs> he said, but it scared the fire out of me. But that three-inch scorpion could knock my son, who was six foot six, to his knees. It's the same way with complaining. It's poison that will knock you to your knees and steal from you. Complaining. What's your heart's full of? Complaining, murmuring, whining, bickering. Remember, your heart doesn't lie. For the sake of time, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9 says to put into practice. Practice being positive. Number one, we're going to talk about this real quick. Number one, practice being positive. Start seeing the positive things in your life. Stop focusing on the one negative thing and, and forgetting the 99 good things. Start seeing the positive things about your wife, about your husband, about your kids. Start seeing the positive stuff. What you focus on is what's going to grow. What you starve is going to die. And so you got to start seeing the positive things in people's lives. Start seeing the positive. Look for the good things. What you go mining for, you're going to find. You see, listen, fear, anger, and pain can affect you in a negative way, which is why you need to intentionally look for the positive. I am intentionally going to look for the positive things. I'm intentionally, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to let my wife know, thank you, honey, for making the coffee, getting up early, making my lunch, whatever the case may be. Thank you, husband, for going to work, man, and providing for our needs. Thank Intentionally finding the positive. Intentionally. I'm going to look for the good. What you look for, you can find. And, you know, that's why it says in Philippians 4.8, Think upon whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is holy, whatever is pleasing, whatever is acceptable. Think upon these things that I'm going to intentionally look for. The, another one is this, too. How to get over the complaining cycle? Practice expressing gratitude. Man, there's two things I taught my kids, my wife and I. We taught our kids. As they were growing up, two things. Number one, always say please. And then the second thing, always say thank you. Please and thank you. Show your gratitude. There's something about being thankful and grateful. Sure, you can be, man, upset where you're at. But you got to bloom where you're planted. God, I don't like the state that I am, but God, where I am at right now, I'm going to bloom where I'm planted, and I'm going to be grateful and thankful for what I do have and not what I don't have. You can never expect increase to come to your house if you can't appreciate what you have right now. God, thank you. Thank you for my wife. I may not like her at times, you're probably saying, but I, yeah. I love my pookie woman. Thank you. Thank you for my helpmate. Being grateful, being thankful. That's why Colossians 4 verse 2 says this. Watch this. He says this. Devote yourself to prayer. Getting focused. That's why he says that. Getting focused on God. You see, stop looking at your mountain, but look at the mountain mover. You're God. And the mountain mover is activated when you pray. So look at what he says. Being watchful and thankful. When you start praying, it makes you start being thankful. That I don't have it so bad after all because I serve a great God. You see, I'm moving quickly. What more inner peace? Want more inner peace? Work on gratitude. You want inner peace? Want more patience? Work on gratitude. Want to be more compassionate? 
Work on gratitude. Work on these areas of your life. God, I'm so thankful. God, thank you for another day. Number three, practice being content. Practice being content. Let me tell you something. One of the worst things you can do is get out of your lane and start comparing yourself with the Joneses. When you start getting in the Jones lane, that's when you get uncontent. When you start getting uncontent, you start getting in the Jones lane and start saying, man, how come he or she got this and they got that? And you're never content or satisfied with what you got. You're always comparing yourself or trying to equal yourself with someone else. Learning the secret of being content. That's why Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 12 and 13, and I'm going to fly through this. Watch this. Philippians 4. He says, I know what it is to be in need. How many know what it is to be in need? I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret, the secret of being content in every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living or plenty or in want. I've learned a secret. Now watch verse 13. He said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In other words, what Paul was saying, I am content. God, I know that God, hey, I'm content because, God, you're going to make things happen. All things work for the good of those in Christ Jesus. All things work. And so, God, I've learned the secret. God, I love you, but I don't trust you. Trust means, God, I trust you enough to be content where I'm at in my life right now. I don't like where I'm at, but I'm going to bloom where I'm at, and I'm going to make the most where I'm at, and I'm going to learn to be content. Contentment brings joy and fulfillment in your life. Not everything in life is going to be good, but you can be content because you know God is working it all out, Romans 8.20. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, watch this real quick. And I'm sorry. Watch this. But godliness, godliness, man, having that form of godliness, being Christ-like with contentment is great gain. Wow. You tell me that ain't exciting. That, God, I'm going to be godly. And knowing that God is for me, who can be against me? I'm going to be content because, God, the battle is not mine. It's yours. And I'm going to sit still and be know that you are God. That's why Psalms 46 verse 10 says be still. Be still means being content. Being quiet, zip it, and understand God's got this under control. It's great gain. Being content is relaxing your mind and thoughts in the care of God's hands. I love you, God, and I trust you. I transfer my worries, my concerns, my frets into your hands, and I'm content of knowing, God, you got this. Here's a big one. Here's a big one. This is where a lot of people stumble. Practice not being judgmental. One of the killers of life is always being judgmental, pointing fingers at everybody else. What that does, it gets it off you. By pointing and making accusations, being so judgmental, being judgmental about people, he or she dresses like that, they look like this, they look like that. Man, why do they have to do that? We're always in this judgmental stage that that judgmental stage turns into a complaining and complaining turns into a plague. 
being judgmental. Look at this. Stop being so judgmental about everybody around you. It will form a habit that it will bleed into your family. It'll bleed. We're so judgmental. How did he get this? How did they get that? Well, man, where did they rob a bank? And we, all the time, judgmental. Some of you are going to leave this church. And you're going to go home and say, that pastor, man, you're going to start judging me. You know what? I've always learned a secret. I tell you everything about me. That way you can't talk about me. You think, ain't it right, Chris? You know what I'm talking about. Hey, Eight Mile, the movie Eight Mile, remember? He won the battle because he told them everything about him. I'm getting out of the battle. Right? Look at this. Check this out. Being judgmental puts you in the place of being a judge. Are you a judge? Judge Melissa over here at the siren? I like her. She's a nice person. Judge. And when you do, ten fingers come pointing back at you. You like to be judged, but you don't like to be judged. You like to judge everybody and complain and murmur, be judgmental, say everything about what's wrong here, what's wrong there. But you never take responsibility for your own actions. And what that does, it stifles the blessings of God in your life. And some of you get so close and you hit the ceiling and you wonder, wait, I'm almost at a breakthrough. But a lot of times you stop the breakthrough by what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of your heart. You see, being judgmental always sees the bad in friendships. How many have destroyed friendships because you're so judgmental? He or she is this. Families. Destroyed families because he or she, man. And in your communities. Look what it says in Matthew, and i got to quit. But Matthew chapter 7. Watch this. you got to see this. Do not judge. Or you too will be judged. Do not judge. Relax. How many of you ever heard this statement before? Take a chill pill. Right? Judge means reading the book by its cover and not its contents. And a lot of times that's what we do. We don't like the, the, the cover. So we say, ah, oh, I know what that book's all about. And you never open up the, the table of contents. And it goes on verse 2. Watch this. He says in verse 2, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Wow. And you wonder why you're a sway-back donkey? Because you're carrying on the judgment of others. And with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Woo-wee. That sounds pretty, pretty something. So watch this. In the measure you use will be measured to you. In Galatians 6, verse 7, watch this. Do not be deceived. Look what he says. God cannot be mocked. In other words, God sees all, knows all, and hears all. He cannot be mocked. So when you think you fooled God by your complaining and being judgmental and putting people down, God's not being mocked. He sees it. 
Well, look what he says. A man reaps what he sows. So what you're sowing is what you're going to produce. A farmer, when they put corn in the ground, it produces corn. If you put complaining in the ground, guess what's going to come back to you? Complaining. A man reaps what he sows. Can I ask you a question? What are you sowing? Are you sowing weeds? Choking out the life? Choking out the fruit in your life? Practice biting your tongue. You may have a right to say it. But is it right to say it? You cannot have a negative mouth and a positive mouth at the same time. You can read that in James. You can't have it. You can't have a forked tongue. Folks, listen, your pastor's been speaking on next week. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm going to talk to you about don't quit. Don't quit. Next week, you're not going to want If you know people who have quit, you want to bring them here next week. I'm so excited about next week. But let me ask you something. What's coming out of your mouth? You have to take inventory. Listen to yourself speak. A lot of you like to hear yourself speak anyway. So when you do speak, listen to yourself. What's coming out of your mouth? You will eat the fruit thereof, life or death. And you will eat the fruit thereof. And my courage to you, my, well, God put this on my heart. I'm telling you, Roxy, why he put it on my heart is I want to see you guys walk in prosperity and blessings and not under curses and doom and gloom. But a lot of times you dwarf the promises in your life. Will you stand with me today? I love you guys so much. And I know sometimes it comes out strong. But you know what they say, man, if you've got to knock them over the head, knock them over the head hard so they get it. You know, sometimes it's, you know, they got a hard nut to crack. But my prayer is, seriously, seriously, stop and take inventory. Are you causing more good or are you causing damage? Are you repelling people or attracting people? You have to be the monitor. Are you always complaining or are you always believing? Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I love them so dearly, and sometimes I come across strong only to get the point across that I love them so much. As a father loves his son, as a mother loves her daughter, they want to do what's best for them. And, Lord, you instructed me to be the pastor, to lead them to greener pastures. And, Lord, my goal and my desire, God, is to see these people prosper and gain in health and wealth and prosperity in their lives and to see good things happen to them. Because, God, you are a God that does exceedingly, abundantly more than we can even think, fathom, or imagine. You are able to do all things. And I pray that over every household today, that, God, they will watch their thinking and watch what comes out of their mouth, and they will change the course of direction in their life as they need be. Bless them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.